1: good day everyone and thank you for joining us for this edition of the bringing inspiration to earth show today my special guest is mike anthony he is the author of love dad
0: how my father died
1: and told me he didn't love dad intimately shares one family's darkest hours and their road to healing a road that has been long ignored or scoffed at by the scientific community Mike Anthony, a healthy skeptic, goes to great lengths to uncover the paradigm-shifting research into the nature of consciousness that exists and shows us why it must be put back into the forefront with no shame attached. Love Dad details Mike's true story as he pulls himself out of despair and alongside his family finds true connection and communication with his dad once again. Given the transformative nature of the experience, he couldn't help but share what happened, hoping to bring others the peace that he had discovered. So compelling that a story um, that is so com- compelling, story that Netflix uh, chose to feature it in three episodes of their series *Surviving Death*. You can find out more about Mike and the book by visiting his website, which is www mikeanthony.com and with that i'd like to welcome mike to the show good day mike thank
2: you so much for having me it's my pleasure thank you so much for having me
1: thank you yeah i'm really looking forward to chatting with you today um it's um i really uh i I liked your um appearance in the netflix series that um you know and we'll talk about that later but that was great so one of the things I really want to start with first is that would you mind sharing with the listeners just a little bit about who your dad was or the essence of your dad?
2: Sure. Yeah, my dad was an extraordinarily kind man. He, he was just not your average human being. Um he i i tell the story in the book that when i was a kid he he felt so different than everyone else to me that when when in catechism you know we started to learn about uh uh, angels, and it struck me that my dad had all of the attributes <laughs> that these angels have—these oh. sort of all, all loving beings. And one morning, I have this very clear memory. My dad was making his one and only dish, his French toast, and I <laughs> decided to ask him. And I said, "Dad, are are you an angel? You know, just 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 tell me the truth. I, I promise your secret will be safe with me. Are you an angel?" And he said, "You know, wh- what do you mean?" And I said, well, you're, you know, you're just so nice to everybody all the time. And he said, oh, well, uh, you know, you should always try to be nice, um, which I was sure was exactly what an angel in disguise would tell me. And, you know, he he just, he would have fit in perfectly well had he been born on a mountain somewhere, you know, maybe in Tibet, uh, living a life as, as a monk in meditation. He had this energy about him that was just so calming, um, and no matter what chaos might be happening in the world, I was a, I was a very um, sensitive kid, and I was sort of, you know, maybe somewhat empathic in that when things were happening in the world that were painful, things that were causing hurt to other people, I sometimes felt viscerally the the pain that people were in, and I had a real hard time with that. Uh, so much so that I had to, throughout my life, I've had to try to work on kind of blocking that out just so that I could live a useful life at at times, you know, um, being, (laughs) yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, but anytime I was feeling anything like that, you know, wondering why in the world, if there is a God, would that God put such terrible ingredients into the, into the mix? Um, if I was having any of those doubts, uh, just being around my father, would clear that away, uh, something about his energy was so peaceful and loving, and knowing that the universe had something like my dad in it gave me enough faith uh, to accept that there were things in the universe that did not make sense to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, the what video they showed um, of him, he, he looked just like a really nice guy, you know um,
2: so yeah. so you you and he were close throughout your life. Very close, yeah. We were, my, my whole family is pretty tight knit. Uh, my my mom and dad got divorced when they were very young. They they met when they were 12 and 13 years old, and then they got married right out of high school, pretty much, uh, and then got divorced just after having me when they were still just in their early 20s. Um, but they ended up remaining friends uh, throughout their lives, so much so that my dad ended up buying a house right around the corner for my mom. And her new husband's house, uh, so we've always been incredibly tight.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that, that's that's a good thing when when that can work out like that. That conscious parenting before there was a term for it, uh, right? Um, <laughs> so, um, what would you say um, the effect his well? First of all, let's talk about his passing and 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 the circumstances around it. Um, yeah talk about
2: that sure yeah it was it my dad was sixty years old, but he was a he was a very young sixty you know he was in great shape as far as we knew um he he appeared to be in fantastic shape. He worked as a delivery driver for FedEx, which is a very active job, you know, and he would play basketball in the yard with his grandkids uh, with no problem. Um, I had recently moved into a new apartment in New York City, you know, and he was moving refrigerators and couches and things up and down these two stories with, uh, you know, these tight stairways with no problem at all. I mean, we really thought that if anyone in my family had a chance to make it to a hundred, it was going to be my dad. So his death came from our perspective completely out of, out of the blue. It was an utter shock my dad and I were watching football, a Monday night football game together one night um, and had a fantastic spirited conversation. uh, And then he left the house drove around the corner five minutes to his house, went inside, and died. Um, he still had his keys wow. in his hands, you know. So that's how quickly, whatever it was, we didn't do an autopsy. So we're assuming, uh, you know, some sort of major cardiac event, something very quick.
1: Yeah, boy. yeah. That's, when when that kind of thing happens, it really um, draws your attention to just how, you know, Temporary, you know, or, or you know, just how yeah. um, things can happen in in a, in a moment, in a moment's time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yes. You, so, how would you say that, that the your obviously your family being close, greed. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about um, you know the effect that, that that his passing had on you, your family?
2: Yeah. Sure, yeah, it was it was completely devastating. Uh, um, you know, at the very beginning, I was in complete shock. I had gotten the phone call. Uh, my day job is working as a bartender uh, for, for Broadway, and I was working at a show on Broadway, uh, and intermission was just about to happen, and the phone call came in. It was my sister, and she's wailing on the phone, um, screaming, you know, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. And my mom, I hear my mom screaming in the background as well. Um, And I was worried, you you know, their pain was so extreme. I was worried that they were going to die on the spot as well. And I have this very clear memory. I I hang up the phone and then intermission happens. And, you know, on Broadway, you suddenly have a thousand people uh, who want their drinks. And I have this memory of making drinks for this woman. You know, I'm I'm pouring her a rum and coke and and saying, how's the show? Are you enjoying the show? You know, like it's any other night. Um, I just went into utter shock. Um, But when it set in that he was gone uh when the when you know the the first time i went to pick up my phone to call him and realize that was now impossible um it was complete and utter devastation i i don't it's hard to come up with what the right words are for it um but it was yeah. a crisis i would call it a spiritual and and eventually of just a full on existential crisis because if someone as wonderful as my dad you know who, who was full of nothing but love and goodness. And if every idea he ever had and and, and joy he ever felt, uh, if everything that he ever was could suddenly disappear as though it had been this almost instantaneous blip on the universe's uh, infinite radar of time and space, if that could just be gone, then a real hard time, I was struggling to understand what the point to anything could be. You know, um that's how it struck me is if someone like my dad could could just just be wiped off the face of existence um it was hard uh-huh. to i it was hard to get figure find a reason to get out of bed and keep going i mean, it was that level of devastation for a while there wow
1: wow, yeah, yeah it's you know, trying to make sense, you know, and, you know, especially whenever it's sudden and unexpected, not not that it's any, you know, easy, easier, necessarily, if, if you know, like, if someone kind of um, sick for a while, but um, just that suddenness um, can really uh, throw, throw you, you know, f- for a loop. And um, so... Um, one of the things you write about in your books is you talk about your dad's body in the casket.
2: Um, Yeah.
1: Tell tell us about that.
2: Yeah. It was, it was the most bizarre and odd sight of my life. When I walked into the the room at the funeral home and saw his, his body sitting there, Um, you know, it was so not my dad. It was just not my father that that thing yeah. that I was looking at was a collection of molecules. You know, it was a collection of atoms um, that that were not my dad. And and it struck mm-hmm. me, you know, that before I became an actor and, uh, you know, bartender and, and, and this sort of thing, I had intended to be a science teacher. You know, I, I, I've always loved science. And I knew that if I had had a strong enough microscope with me uh, and I put my dad's body under a microscope, it would look exactly the same right now in that casket as it did, as it would have looked a, a few days before when he was alive. You know, he was made uh-huh. up of the very same parts. The exact same atoms were still in that body. So what was it that had given those atoms their sense of, of dadness, right? What was it that had made them alive? I, I, I couldn't let go of the idea that, How could it be that simply a heart no longer beating could make that big of a difference? It was just a real bizarre sight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now I'm not a fan of casket, (laughs) you know, and and, uh, those kinds of things. But um, yeah, you know, when when that, uh, that life essence is gone, you know, and, and it's, you know, one of those things, and there's, like like you say, it's so dramatic, you know, that, you know, even someone who's a scientist has to wonder, I mean, about, you know, the, um, just the, the significance of the difference. And, and again, yeah. you know, like you said, you know, from a microscope, under a microscope, it's all the same. Um, but yeah. you know, there, there's that key difference
2: yeah very key difference i mean the, the it's it's uh it's night and day right obviously it's 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 there's a night and day difference and you know of course science says that uh you know einstein figured out that energy can't be created or destroyed right so this is something that right. um uh scientists will often talk about that obviously there is some energy now energy is a word that we throw around a lot right but um but in truth we don't really know what that means right even our even our scientists um, if we start to talk about the fundamentals of how the universe works um you know at, we used to think that atoms were the smallest things uh bits of matter right, right. That had physical properties mm-hmm. And now now we know there are quarks and now uh, beyond quarks it's entirely theoretical and and one of the one of the main theories is string theory right that postulates that it's vibrating strings of energy and it's the rate of the vibration of the string that gives the uh, the atom its physical qualities and changes how it interacts with everything else around it and it's if that turns out to be true, that it's vibrating strings of energy, what is making the string vibrate?
0: That we have no <laughs> really? idea.
2: There, there's, there's no answer for why that string should be vibrating in the first place or where in the world that string came from, right? You know, we have all of these uh-huh. theories, but there's there's no solid answer on, on that. So, um yeah. Yeah, yeah, even to science it's an open question, I think. You know, death is still confusing to science exactly what death is.
1: Yeah, yeah, my goodness. Um so now you've decided I mean obviously you you moved into investigating um life after death. So can you tell us about you know how that spark began?
2: Yeah. Um, Not long after my father died, uh, just about two days or so after burying him, a phone call came into my mom's house from uh, my second cousin's husband. Uh, and this was very odd because this is not a person that my mom was close with. Um, I could not even remember who he was when she told me the story. Um, and, and she answered the phone one night and she, he said, Liz, this is Chris. Uh, do, do you remember me? And she said, oh yeah, yeah, Chris. You know, I think they maybe had been at a wedding together 10 or 15 years before. And he said, you know, I know this is gonna sound strange, uh, calling out of the blue like this, and he had never called our house before. And he said, but uh, do you do you know what I do? And she said, uh, no. You know, as far as we knew, Chris was, uh, and still to this day, he's like a he's a hospital administrator, so he has like a big time sort of straight laced job uh, in in hospital administration. But she said no, and he said, well. Um, i on the weekends i'm part of a ghost hunting team and she said okay <laughs> and at this point she's <laughs> completely baffled about what this phone call could possibly be about um but as it turns out chris who you know he says now that at that time in his life he was still in the quote-unquote paranormal closet because he had this sort of very big time job and he he you know he did not want to take right. the chance of letting his colleagues know that on the weekends he goes to quote-unquote haunted houses and tries to contact, uh, you know, dead dead spirits or or spirits. So uh, anyway, on his team, he has a medium, which is, right, a person who claims the ability to uh, communicate in some way with our deceased uh, loved ones. And he said that this medium, uh, who never met my dad, by the way, she was a complete stranger to my dad and my entire family. As they are investigating this house one night, she says, you know, I have this spirit here named Robert, and he, I don't know that he's connected to this house that we're in, but he is not leaving me alone. He is desperate to get a message to his family. And then she said to Chris, I think this is connected somehow maybe to you or your family, Chris. His name's Robert, um, and his family um, is involved with a fish restaurant. And when she said that, Chris put it together, my dad's name is Robert, and my sister owns a fish restaurant. So even though he was not at all close with my dad, and I don't know that they ever, ever even met in, in life uh-huh. um, he, did, he was aware through the family grapevine that, that Robert had, that this guy had died. So um, the, the message was so insistent. From my father, according to this medium, her name was Christina, that Chris, uh, even though it was very awkward for him to make this phone call, I mean, I imagine the poor guy trying to, <laughs> you know, struggling with whether or not to make this call. He has no idea how the family's going to react to this kind of thing. But my dad was apparently being so insistent that he, he made the call. And so that's how the idea of mediumship. Was kind of thrust into my family's life. You know, most people uh, seek out mediumship if if they're going to be right. involved in mediumship in their grieving, and they seek it out. In our case, um, it came to our door. So that is what began uh, my my research into this because the scientific part of my mind, though I of course desperately wanted to believe that, yes, my disembodied father had contacted this woman named Christina to get this message to us. I mean, I, I, w- I wanted to believe nothing more than that. Um, I I was going to need a lot of evidence before I could believe something like that. So I uh, I spoke with this woman. I ended up getting her phone number after speaking with my cousin for a long time uh, and coming to the conclusion <laughs> he seemed like a very rational guy. He seemed very <laughs> sane. Um you know whether, despite his ghost hunting, uh, uh, you know antics, and then this woman. After I spoke with her, it was clear to me right away that she seemed to be just a very kind, compassionate, and intelligent woman who did not. I I detected no deception uh, of any kind. You know, and right. people ask me all the time. You know, well, how much how much money did you pay this woman? There was never any any financial restitution for this no money was ever exchanged ever asked for I mean it was not even a question this woman uh, was entirely doing this because she felt she had a responsibility to this guy to this spirit uh to do that so um that was very intriguing and I, I you know of course I, I talked with my family about it after I had this conversation with Christina, and I said I don't know you know she seems like a, an entirely sane woman um, so that was that was neat. Uh, and then the following day, my sister is driving to work. And just by chance, on the radio, uh, we live in Connecticut, uh, she happens to have on a station called 95.7, and there's a segment on with someone who calls herself a professional evidential medium. And she's giving readings to people who are calling into the radio station. So the timing of that, my sister found <laughs> very um, interesting right i mean this was quite a coincidence to have this phone call come in then i have this conversation with this woman and now she just happens to hear on the radio about this woman who lives here in connecticut who does this stuff for a living so uh my sister contacted her her. and set up a reading and and that's where uh that's where the story really sort of picks off
0: yeah
1: and look where it led to (laughs) that's a long path um, from that point um, yeah, you know it's it is um, unusual. You know, I mean, I've I've known quite a few mediums in my um, you know, years of, of doing the show, and you know they don't often, you know, unless they get a really strong, strong kind of um, or you know, they a strong sense, you know, to, to to do something that you know the um, I think most kind of um, allow people to come to them, you know, and, and let right. that be the the route to go. Because, like you say, you just never know what the reactions will be of, of the person. And when you think about all of the decisions that had to be made, you know, to this point. I mean the you know the right. cousin connection, you know, and and the fish, and then getting to you, you know, and and then from you, to, and then your sister, um, you know, here on the radio. I mean, there are just so many. I have found that when you know there is um a meant a path to be followed um that will quite often get very reinforcing messages that you know pay attention pay attention
2: yes, I agree i mean when I look back at this whole story now um and there's a lot to it, you know there's more to it, but um uh it certainly feels like i mean when you look at the dominoes that had to fall over to lead. To, to where I ended up getting to, um, it's now for me impossible to not see my dad pulling strings outside of his body, <laughs> pulling strings uh-huh. to somehow make this stuff yeah. happen. Impossible to not well, see that.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you figure he had to, you know, go in a very roundabout way, you know, to to get there. Right. You, you know, <laughs> so a, a bit of determination. Um, so um, now. Yeah you eventually um when when you were obviously you're 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 thrown into this mediumship world um and what is um what is your uh next um what's your approach now i mean is it you know investigating mediums or or is it just learning about them but tell us about that um that process
2: Sure. What happened is after my sister hired this professional, quote unquote, professional medium to come to the house, I I tested her. Uh, by giving her a code word. I, I, I talked to my dad that day before the woman came to the house. And I said, okay, dad, I, I need you to give me a very specific message if I'm going to believe that any of this is true. And I was suddenly flooded with this memory that when we were kids, as I said, my parents got divorced when we were young and we saw my dad on the weekend. So on Friday nights when we went to see him, we were so excited we couldn't get to sleep at night. So he would play with our hair to help us fall asleep. And we'd say, you know, five more minutes, dad, five more minutes. And it became thing that my poor father would have to play with our hair until his hand was ready to you know fall off and we were deep asleep so I'm suddenly flooded for whatever reason with that memory that I hadn't thought of in a long time and I said okay dad that this is the thing I need you to get this medium to mention my hair in some way she has to mention my hair if she doesn't do that it doesn't matter what else she says I'm not gonna believe that this is real and uh, another important thing to mention about this is that my hair is entirely average, right? It's short, brown, <laughs> average hair. There's nothing about it you would look at and think, oh, there's got to be a story about this guy do. You know, there's it's just totally average. So she comes to the house a couple of hours later, and, and she is saying things that are so specific that within minutes I, I'm looking around the house thinking – You know, did we leave pictures up here that she could be getting this information from? How is she doing this? Um, Information was coming through that was not published anywhere, nothing that she could have read in an obituary. You know, some of it was highly personal stuff. So within a half an hour, we are all weeping, right? There are seven of us sitting in the living room of my mom's house. And we're now drenched in our own tears because we're convinced that something genuine is happening here and i completely forgot about my code word by the way because because i I was so taken by what she was doing um that that i really could not my mind the scientific part of my brain was totally reeling at that point reeling like how could this be you know i was thinking if this is real how is it that it has escaped our attention How is it that my biology professor in college, right after teaching me about, you know, cell division and mitosis did not say, oh, and by the way, there is also evidence that some human brains are able to communicate that is no longer in a body. You know, I couldn't understand that if this was real, I had, I had not been taught about it before. So all of that's going on. We're all, we're all crying. And if this woman was somehow, which I couldn't fathom how, but if she had somehow been faking this, right? And she was a con woman, you know, when to not push your luck, right? You know, when you had a successful con, all of these weeping fools sitting here in this living room, they're all going to leave here and tell everybody they know about the most amazing night of their lives. And you're going to get so much work out of this, right? So, you know, when to, when to, to, to uh, wrap up and leave, but instead As we're getting ready to go, you know, we're like putting on her coat and stuff and thanking her, telling her Mm -hmm. outright that this was the most extraordinary experience we'd ever had. She's in the middle of a sentence. She stopped talking. And and apropos of nothing, completely tangentially, she looked at me, right at me, and said, your dad wants to talk about your hair? Just like that. And it was like someone had punched me in the stomach in that might, the wind was taken out. Like I couldn't breathe for a second. That's how shocked I was at what she had just said to me and the way that she said it. Um, It was in that moment to my mind, there was no other reasonable explanation beyond it was actually my father actually heard me talking to him and he somehow got this message to that woman. So in that moment, um, you know, my, my, it was like my, my, (laughs) a crack had happened in me, you know, it was like a shattering event, but in a good way, my dad's passing was shattering in one way that was very awful. This was like a shattering that expanded my awareness and my, and the, and the, and the possibilities. So I couldn't, let it go. It completely changed my life. And so a year later, I called that woman back, the medium. And I said, you know, I, I doubt you'll remember me, but um, I had an experience <laughs> that was uh, completely blew open my, my mind. Um, and I would like to make a documentary uh, about what you what you claim that you're doing. Um, and I'd like to sit you down in front of the camera, press record on that camera, and then walk complete strangers into the room and see if you can do what you did. When I know there is absolutely no way you could be cheating. When I know there's no way you would have had any time to Google anything or hire uh, private detectives to follow people or anything of that nature. Would you let me do that? And immediately this woman accepted that offer. She immediately said, sure, I'll do that. And that's what I began to do. And so at this, in the book, I, Uh, compile the statistics from 10 of the readings that we did, again, all on camera. And again, in every case, no one knew who the sitter was going to be that day, except me. So that effectively rules out um, any uh, cheating, uh, at least in uh, uh, conventional ways. Um, And now I've done up to 20 readings with this woman. And uh, I was astounded to find that person after person she was getting the same kind of information that she had gotten that night with us she was getting these specific things um she changed these people's lives 10 out of 10 people uh that i detail in the book every single one of them believed that she was somehow doing something quote-unquote paranormal even though they if they uh you know some of them were real skeptics and would, would not say yes i believe she was definitely talking to my dead daughter for instance but I do believe she was somehow getting information in a way that I can't explain. Um, So that was, um, you know, it it was paradigm-shifting information because the mainstream scientific materialist paradigm, right, the one that is taught in universities all over the land right now, is that there is no such thing as life after death. Uh, that That consciousness, that what we... Uh, perceive of as self is just an illusion created by chemical reactions in the brain. And when the oxygen stops flowing to the brain and those reactions stop happening, then that sense of self dissolves away. And that collection of chemicals that we thought of as a person, that I thought of as my dad, uh, that illusion that I thought of as my dad is gone forever. You know, that's the mainstream paradigm. But what I was seeing day after day on the set totally uh, destroyed that paradigm. It it went against it completely. And that was astounding to me. And, uh, you know, so then I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm an actor and a bartender, right? I am not the person (laughs) who who should be dealing with one of the most profound questions that could face a human being, which Uh is, uh, you know, what happens after we die. Um, there should be smarter people out there with much higher IQs who are looking into this stuff. And uh, and then I was surprised to find that there have been many, many scientists, some of them of, of renown who have looked into this and have come away uh, with the same conclusion that I was getting uh, making this movie. And that is that some people, without a doubt, are able to get – information in some anomalous way uh, that science cannot yet currently explain. And, um, you know, studies have been going on into mediumship for over 100 years now. Of course, mediumship sort of was having its heyday back in the the end of the 1800s, early 1900s, and um, some of the brightest minds of the day a guy named william james for instance a lot of people have heard about who uh, is considered to be the founder of, of psychology he he founded the psychology department at harvard university you know no less than harvard university and he studied a woman named lenora piper a medium who lived in new hampshire uh and after two decades of of, of rigorous research into this woman i mean he left no stone unturned uh It was clear to him that it was unequivocal, right? There there was not a gray area. She was doing something that was quote unquote paranormal. Uh, She was doing she was getting information in some anomalous way uh, that we have not understood that we do not understand the pathway for uh, as of yet. As far as uh, scientifically anyway, we don't understand the pathway, Um, and 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 the research goes on to this day, and there are modern studies that have been done at the University of Arizona, uh, the University of Virginia. Uh, the, currently, there's a studies going on with a fantastic scientist. Her name is Dr. Julie Beischel, um, and she's doing research out of the Winbridge Research Center uh, in Arizona. And uh, she has gotten, uh, you know, she's doing quintuple blind experiments with mediums, uh, which wow. basically means they have ruled out, uh, any means of <laughs> it, they, They've ruled it out right. in, the, in the experimental protocol, and they're still getting the same results. Um, these people are still able to get information uh, at a rate that is statistically higher than they should be able to achieve by any mode of chance. Um, so, again, according to Dr. Ju- Julie Beischel, who's much more brilliant than I am, uh, people should check out her work. Uh, according to her, uh, it's also unequivocal that uh, not what 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 she calls anomalous information reception, uh, meaning simply that the information is coming in some unknown way, definitely does happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had um, uh, a uh, uh, scientist, uh, Russell Targ on my show, gosh, probably yes. now about six, seven years ago. And uh, yeah, he, he, he to me, you know, in his book, uh, the reality of ESP, um, he just, you know, that, that that scientific um you know approach, you know, to investigating um, you know, I, I just loved how he did that, you know, because it begins to yeah. show there could be a marriage between the two. You know? And um, Yes. Yes. And, yeah. And we're gonna take um just a real quick break, Mike, um, because we stream live and I do want to invite listeners. If you want to call in with any questions, you can call in at six one nine Seven eight nine four three five nine, and those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to post them there. And then right before we go, I, I will say one thing: an actor and a bartender is a perfect person to go ahead and bring forth that kind of. I mean, when you look about the actors playing to the audience <laughs> and the bartenders. You know, conciliatory kind of uh, state of being and, and and handing out the drink just for them. I mean, hey, I think that's a perfect combo. So, anyway, I appreciate we're going to take, take a quick break and everybody will we'll be right back.
0: Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder, that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website radio.me has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show.
1: Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Mike Anthony, and we're talking about his book, Love, Dad, How My Father Died, Then Told Me He did um, again, you can find out more by visiting his website, which is www.mikeanthony.com. And also, if you do have Netflix, definitely check out the, the series Surviving Death. Um, you'll enjoy that as well. Okay. With that, we're, we're back. Mike?
2: Hi. Hi, Robert.
1: Hi. Right, great. Okay. So, in the introduction, I, call, I described you as a healthy skeptic, and um where are you now on the skeptical, and um, you know what would you say to some what has changed for you? your how's your skepticism changed, and what would you say to those who are maybe where you were prior to these experiences?
2: well, the the word skeptic I write a little bit about in the book, what I mean by that and and I think Skepticism is just what science is in my mind, right? Just simply meaning that we need evidence before we believe something, right? But once the evidence is there, we accept it, right? The issue that I have and the issue that I believe has kept so much of this information from reaching the mainstream are the debunkers? These are people who tend to um, have made a decision, often without even doing the research, right? They they have a pre uh, predetermined uh, belief, right? It's it's a belief, just like a belief in something. You can believe that something is not true, and um, you know that that's the problem. Uh, that's the issue that I have are people who. Uh, have concluded a priori that something is impossible and because it's impossible, it cannot happen. Right. I mean, I literally had a scientist say to me uh, this cannot be because it cannot be. And that of course makes no (laughs) sense, right? Uh, The the job of science, Uh science is a method, right? It's what we're supposed to do is observe something happen in the natural world. And then, try to get to the bottom of what it is that we saw and but the first step to that is accepting that we saw it right. We have to at least accept that it's happening before we can begin to study it any further and a lot of people within the the mainstream uh um Uh, science you know university uh, scientific uh, community Mm -hmm. um just simply do not even look at this information they just don't even know that it's there a lot of times um the word paranormal has become a dirty word in 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 academic communities you know if you're if you're a, a um a scientist who is respected um you're taking a real chance If you tell your university, hey, I I want to do a study into mediumship, you know, for some people that that, it's (laughs) academic suicide uh, because it's painted uh, with, with such an ugly brush as being unserious business, right? Only unserious people would look into mediumship. Now, that, that is silly, because you mentioned um, Russell Targ before the break, and the uh, work that he did with Hal Puthoff at the Stanford Research Institute, SRI, his right. mm-hmm. phenomenal research, right, into ESP. Um, and the CIA has recently declassified uh, a lot of these documents, so anyone is free to go to the CIA uh, website and look through their library. And you can see for yourself – That the CIA concluded after spending millions of dollars, millions of dollars researching this, uh, they concluded that extrasensory perception is indeed a real phenomenon. Not only is it real, uh, the United States government has used it. They have used what, what they call remote viewers, which is basically clairvoyance. Someone who's able to see something that, you know, with something other than their eyes. It could be across the room. It could be hidden inside of a lead box, you know. So uh, the United right. States has used it operationally, um, uh, extrasensory perception and remote viewing. So the the, course, the United States government has concluded, after millions of dollars of research, that it's a real thing. So where I am now, um, having witnessed what I what I've witnessed, um, and and it ends up going beyond, uh, media mental mediumship. Uh, I end the book with a chapter that I I, I actually hesitated to put in. Uh, because it 's going to be so beyond what the average uh, reader considers to be possible uh, that I worried they 'd get to the end of the book and think, "Oh my God, I spent all of this time. Turns out this guy is just crazy, <laughs> but i uh, you know I kept it in because it is the absolute truth. I promise you it is the absolute truth, and uh, just to touch on it a bit, uh, mediumship we can break down into two categories uh mental mediumship and physical mediumship and mental mediumship is the one that you know we're we're largely familiar with john edward you know crossing over the long island medium uh the the people that i've been working with who are in a conscious state um, and they say that they're getting messages uh in various forms that they're then interpreting and delivering to us that's mental mediumship In physical mediumship it's said that the medium goes into a very deep trance uh, so deep, in fact, that they claim they have no memory of what happens while they're in that trance. Um, some of this we can verify with science. Uh, if we uh, use, uh, we've used uh, electroencephalograms, EEG machines, on on some physical mediums. So we hook their brain up to this monitoring equipment, uh, and we do know, uh, for instance, a, a guy named Stuart Alexander, who is the medium that I had my personal experience with, my personal completely life-changing experience with, um, he's been tested with an EEG machine. And sure enough, when he goes into trance, uh, his brainwave pattern changes and he goes from, uh, beta waves are what we typically, uh, what we would call waking consciousness. You know, what we, what's typically happening Mm -hmm. in our brain on a day-to-day basis. And when he goes into a deep trance, he moves into, um, beta and I'm sorry, into alpha and delta waves which are not waking consciousness. It's something else. So we know that at least that much, you know, is happening scientifically. Uh, and then the claim is that once they're in this deep state of trance, the spirit world, what they say is the spirit world can then use the medium's body, uh, use their physical apparatus, including their vocal cords to speak directly to us. So the medium uh, is not uh, Uh, you know, a middle person at this point. The spirit world is supposedly speaking directly to us uh, using their own words. And in the most advanced forms of this mediumship, as crazy as this might sound to some people, depending on, you know, where they are on the spectrum of this stuff, uh, in the most advanced forms of this, the spirit world is said to be able to extract, extract a substance from the medium's body called ectoplasm, And then use that substance to physically materialize in the room in a way uh, that everyone in the room sees what's happening. So this is not subjective in nature. This is an objective physical thing that is happening in the room for all to perceive at the same time. And, you know, I first read about this in Leslie Kane's (laughs) book. Leslie Kane wrote a Uh book called Surviving Death, and that's what the Netflix series is based on. And when I got to the word ectoplasm, I mean, I had to stifle a laugh. I was sitting at a Barnes & Noble reading this, and, uh-huh. um, you know, I was sure that ectoplasm was a word coined by Harold Ramis and Ghostbusters. You know, I was certain that ectoplasm exactly. was the stuff that, yeah, that Slimer left on yep. the bookshelves at the New York Public Library in the movie. But as it turns out, according to Leslie, it's a real substance and not only is it real but it was um, the word was coined by a guy named Charles Roche who won the Nobel Prize in physiology he won the Nobel Prize in the study of the human body and he is the person who came to the conclusion after a great deal of study uh, into physical mediumship that ectoplasm is a real substance not only that he was able to take some of it out of a seance room and take it to a lab and look at it under a microscope it, I mean it is a real substance um, and I can now say that it is a real substance with confidence because I have seen it myself, um, and and this is my this is my now my big secret <laughs> that I uh, you know I still anytime I'm out in public if I'm talking with someone at a coffee shop about my story every time I get to the word ectoplasm I kind of whisper and look over my shoulder to see <laughs> who's looking but um, yeah. that is my big my big secret I I Leslie Kane and I uh, were sitting together in a room in England. And um, I saw this substance, uh, this amorphous substance, very difficult to describe in words. Of course, I go into detail in this in the book. The story is told fully there. But um, I saw a human hand form out of nothing, out of nothing, right in front of my face. And when I say right in front of my face, I, I, I mean it. I was five inches from where this was happening. Wow. Um, and I watched yeah. this hand shake Leslie's hand. Leslie could feel the bones in the hand. She could feel the warmth of it, mm-hmm. the flesh. And then I watched her let go of that hand. And then I watched it dissolve into smoke, into nothing, and then disappear right in front of my face. So uh, you asked where I am now, uh, as far as second <laughs> question goes. I now, uh, I, <laughs> I now know, Without a doubt that no matter how many Nobel prizes right. a person has uh, if if they tell me that there's no such thing as anything paranormal, I now know with one hundred percent certainty that they are incorrect about that, yeah, yeah,
1: well, yeah, that certainly gets you to that 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 spectrum. I don't think very many people have gotten the act of pleasant, uh experience uh, but uh, you know the, the one thing. That um it seems that is a this that that paradigm shifting, that mind changer is that personal experience I mean, I have had so many mm-hmm. um like professional you know doctors, actors you know and different types of professions who you know this was like nothing on their radar you know until it happened personally. Right and 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 then, all of a sudden, it kind of shakes it up and and um you know it, it, it just for for some people who i mean I think there can always be some people whose beliefs are so set that they're, they're just not gonna be able to allow this into right. that you know into their world you know and and that's fine you know that's yeah. that's kind of where they're at and you know and you know, right. God bless them, um, you know, uh, yep. but yep. Uh, there's, there's, you know, um, you know it, it is shifting, but, you know, just the idea, like, for example, you had to kind of whisper, act to when you're talking about the story. Right. You know, <laughs> it, it, there still is that judgment out there um, that is just, um, it just seems hard to shake. But I guess, you know, it's happening, you know, one, two, three you know, instances at a time, you know, hopefully yeah. we'll get to a a turning point, you know, a, that where, where it'll be, you won't have to whisper anymore.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's my, that's my main goal now is, is just, uh, doing what I can to, to shake the, uh, the, 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 the shame <laughs> that people feel about just having an interest into looking into this stuff. There should be no shame attached to this. Um, you know, I, I I talked a lot with uh, Dr. Jim Tucker at the University of Virginia, uh, who studies um, children who have memories of what appear to be previous lives, and this this data is just stunning. You know, they've been uh, the Division of Perceptual Studies has has been uh, involved in this research for almost sixty years now, and and you know the the evidence is so strong that JAMA, the the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is one of the most respected scientific journals in the world, right? Anytime JAMA uh, publishes a report related to diet, um, it's on the nightly news, right? If if JAMA uh, finds out that saturated fat uh, in eggs is not as bad for us as we thought it is, uh, you know, it's published uh, in headlines that, oh, eggs are not as bad as we Mm -hmm. thought they were. But when uh, the book editor for the Journal of the American Medical Association read Dr. Ian Stevenson's book, that's the guy who founded the Division of Perceptual Studies at UVA, uh, when he read his book and looked at the research, his conclusion was that reincarnation is the most likely explanation. So you have the book editor of JAMA saying that reincarnation appears to be a real phenomenon, and almost no one heard about it. Almost no one, especially within the academic community heard about it and the, the their method the, the methodology the, the way that they research this is so rigorous it's so meticulous you only need to spend a day at UVA, which is what I did, uh, and look at these files, look at these case studies to understand the amount of effort These very intelligent people, you know, these are not mad scientists working out of their mom's (laughs) basement. These are very bright people uh, working at the University of Virginia um, who have spent a lifetime studying various uh, um, strains of science, whether it be psychology or chemistry or neuroscience. You know, they, they, they they have put in a lifetime of work. Um, uh, 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 to learn how the world works. And they have concluded without question that the evidence for reincarnation is incredibly strong. And so given the rigorous nature of their study, of their, of their studies and their research, it should not be um, shameful for any mm-hmm. scientist, uh, no matter mm-hmm. of what level to say, you know what, I want to go look at that research. I want to take a look at this stuff. And you know what, I read it, and I'm going to come out and say, this appears to be a well-done study to me. But it's like almost impossible to get mainstream scientists to come out and say that. And so that's what I'm trying to do, is take away the stigma uh, in whatever way that I can, so that that, uh, we can open up the conversation more.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the more the conversation, you know, the more people are going to be, um, you know, open, you know, to at least questioning, you know. I mean, right. The, and not completely blocked off. So, um, gosh, we're getting down toward the end of the show, Mike. But I wanted to ask, what do you think your dad would, how he would react <laughs> to love dad?
2: I'd like to think about that because my dad was such a very humble man, you know, in his life. Um, You know, it was hard to get him in front of the camera, for instance. We don't have a whole lot of pictures of him because he just wasn't comfortable with the spotlight. Everything was always about everyone else in his life. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I'm sure, you know, thinking about his face on millions of screens all over the world, I, I imagine him uh, red-faced, you know, hiding in a corner on the other side, uh, given all of this attention. Right. However, um, my dad, being being the man that he was, uh, nothing would have brought him more joy than the thought that his story and his his ability to reach back through the veil to us after all of the great effort that it's now clear to me that he put in, uh, to to know that that story is out in the world and and potentially bringing comfort to people who might be grieving, um, nothing would make my dad happier uh, than to think that he could be helping people uh, that he'd never even met um, uh, by, by his story being shared. And that's what the that's what the book is for. you know, that's really why I wrote it. Um, it's, it's, it's a middle of the road book, you know, it's meant for people who, um, maybe have not thought a whole lot about this before, uh, and, and are on the skeptical side, but, but at least open to listening to the information that's out there. Um, because, you know, these things that happened to us were so incredible and it so changed our lives and added such joy to our lives that it didn't feel fair to keep the story to myself, you know, it it, it honestly just didn't feel fair. I I thought if if the universe has this in it, if this really is happening in it, people deserve to know about it, or at least the information should be out there for people who want it. And, um, so nothing brings me greater joy than thinking about my dad, um, hopefully feeling the impact that his love has had, um, and, and, and how that is now spreading to people that he'd never even met yeah 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 I, I you know I got that
1: sense of uh that humble nature and but um but also just so happy that you're talking about him every day <laughs> you know, that yep. uh, that, connection, <laughs> that that connection is strong you know that that connection is strong and you know and that um i I would think would be um a joy for him.
2: Yeah, so strong. I mean, I now feel him. Um, I now feel him as though he's actually sitting beside me. I mean, sometimes the I'll be driving along and the sensation is so strong that I'm actually surprised when I reach over and don't feel his shoulder in the car beside, you know, yeah. in the passenger seat. Um, he, he, yeah. So uh, it's been a true blessing. This is all a, a gift from my dad, um, and I, I thank him every single day for it
1: yeah actually well mike i thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today thank you for for talking to us about
2: um your dad and, and your book Th- thank you robert it's been a real it's been a real pleasure being with you thank you for having me
1: might as well and also do
2: want to let everybody know that
1: um mike um anthony.com um you will be, you can also uh connect with him through instagram facebook and and youtube and he has uh, links icons to that at the top of his webpage. so everyone i want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the bringing inspiration to earth show
0: um until we meet again thank you for tuning in you've been listening to the bringing inspiration to earth show Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.